Welcome to episode 26 of The Process, Paging Dr. Dre. Episode 26 of the process. I am Quavon Taylor. I am Amante Martin. Today we have Andrea Alexander on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Dre. Hey, what's up? What's going on? Can you tell the people about where you're from? Yeah, I'm from the best city in the world. Tell us, Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Right, wrong. I'm done. I'm about to leave. No, it's um, I'm from Houston, Texas. I'm from the southwest part, mainly Sharpstown, Greater Fondren, Rayburn Valley West, that type of area. Um, and yeah. So what was it like growing up in Texas, in Houston? Um, I mean, I think I had a pretty normal, straightforward childhood. Um, I think I had a very um, strict mother and i think that she prevented a lot of things that could have happened to me in the area in which i grew up and i think she did a great job um you know looking back not to say that it's you know better or worse for you know one person versus another um but you know a lot of my friends got pregnant um they ended up basically being a statistic and I didn't want that for myself. Um, I knew that it would be a much harder road to be traveled if I became said statistic. And so I think that she did a really great job of keeping me on track. And so I had a pretty straightforward path because she was very strict and she required me and demanded that I would be disciplined. So. So growing up, you know, in a, in a, strict environment what were some struggles that you faced you know growing up um i want to say i was pretty self-motivated so i I didn't really have too many struggles i think a lot of the struggles that our diaspora faces like i didn't really notice growing up um obviously i come from well i guess it's not obvious some people don't know but i grew up in a single parent home um and my mother knew that she had to put two kids through college and um, we didn't have the most money at times, but she always made sure that we 
had what we needed. And so I didn't really notice that, you know, we were in hard times ever. Um, I think she did a great job of protecting that from us. So um, I guess from that standpoint, of course, that's a tribulation that I overcame, but I didn't really overcome that, right? Like my mom did that. I didn't really um, notice that part of my life. And I think um, another thing was probably just remaining consistent. Um, I juggled a lot as a child with dance, um, gymnastics, cheerleading, dance team, um, other extracurricular activities. It was really hard to, you know, be stretched and pulled into different things. And I had to rely on myself to be consistent. Um, I was a latchkey kid and my mom said, hey, if you want to be in these things, you know, you're obviously going to have to keep your grades up, but you're going to have to make sure that you get to where you need to go. I can't do it. You know, I'm, you know, working. Um, so a lot of times I had to rely on myself to get to certain places if I wanted to go. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, why med school? You know, was that something you always aspired to be? Was a, a doctor? And, you know, what, what led you on that journey? Yeah. Um, it's actually interesting because I did always want to be a doctor growing up. I <laughs> never really wanted to be other things. Um, I don't know honestly the difference between a doctor and a pharmacist but my mom really wanted me to be a pharmacist growing up just like you need to go to pharmacy school um you need to be you know doing this it's a great job and for some reason i didn't know what a pharmacist was but i was like no i want to be a doctor and <laughs> i don't know how that came about but um, i used to have like this fisher price yeah. like doctor's <laughs> kit and i used to tote that around with me all the time and um, in school, I just always gravitated towards science and math. And so um, I was always just interested in health and helping people too. So um, another thing that kind of solidified me in medicine, which is a really random and corny story, but I guess I got to tell it, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. My mom kind of like passed out on the floor when I was little and like my brother was like panicking and... He's older than me. He's always been like a big dude. So you can picture like this six foot, like middle schooler. He's huge, 250 pounds. And he's like flailing his arms in the corner. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I'm like on the ground, like checking this woman's pulse, like looking to see if her eyes are rolled back in her head, seeing if she's foaming at the mouth. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, I felt like it was an immediate instinct to help instead of to panic. And I think that was another thing that kind of solidified my place in this field you know while in med school pursuing you know your md it can be you know quite stressful um right now my wife is in law school I'm, I'm pursuing my phd so i understand the rigor it takes academically to get through a program like that um what was that process like for you um i think anybody going through medical school is gonna have tribulations in terms of academia no matter how smart you are you're gonna have to put in the hours and the extra effort into studying um, specifically for me my greatest challenge probably came around third year of medical school when it just became very difficult for me to kind of accept the fact that I was always engrossed into the only the academic side of medicine. I One of the main reasons why I went into medicine is because I love helping people. I love talking to people. Um, I like doing all of that stuff. And I felt like I wasn't 
doing that anymore. I was so focused on, whenever I would be talking to a patient, I would be so focused on, okay, well, what are they gonna ask me in rounds? What are they gonna pimp me on? You know, what do I need to study for? Are they gonna ask me this on the test? And I felt like I was losing a lot of that. And in that, I felt like I was losing a lot of myself as well. Um, I'm genuinely a happy person. I like laughing. I like being around other people. And I lost a lot of that my third year. We would, you know, specifically in med school, like I didn't have a car, right? Yeah. So I would have to, I kid you, like no joke. I would spend the night yeah. at my med school and I would wake up at like four or five in the morning, catch the bus home, shower and come back and be ready to round. Wow. And then I would stay the whole day and then I would study at the med school from like seven until midnight. Sometimes I would just go straight to sleep yeah. on the couch in the med student lounge or I would go home, shower, come back, sleep there until the morning and get up and round. It just always depended. And so I was always at the school. I was always studying and I lost a lot of myself. And so I went through a really dark time my third year. I was always crying or irritable. And there were times when like, I didn't want to kill myself, but I, I didn't want to live. Like I was just like, this isn't fun for me. Like I, I feel like a completely different person. I remember, it's probably TMI, but I remember one day coming home so frustrated and so angry and tired. And I just had like a whole plethora of, of emotions going on. And I literally stripped down to everything. And I, all I could do was pray at that point in time. Like, I didn't know what else to do. Like, I was screaming, I was crying. I felt like I couldn't call my significant other. I couldn't call my mom. Like, no one was able to help me. And I prayed and I didn't immediately feel better, but it definitely got me through that moment. And when that happened, I had to say to myself, like, I have a problem, I have depression, I cannot go through this on my own. And um, at that point I had to seek, you know, psychotherapy. I okay. went to, um, she wasn't a psychiatrist, but she was a psychologist. Um, and she helped me through that. Another thing that people don't know about me is I had really bad OCD as a child. I'm not talking about, oh, you're just anal retentive. You don't have obsessive compulsive personality disorder. No, I have obsessive compulsive disorder. Okay. Like I remember I used to organize the grocery basket a certain way. Cool. I couldn't have things facing certain so ways or I couldn't concentrate. I would freak out like in my house when I was younger, like in my room, I had to have certain toys facing certain, certain way. ways or the hand soap had to be faced a certain way or I would freak out and get angry. I had to breathe a certain amount of times before getting up. I had to like pop my toes in a certain amount of ways in yeah. order to <laughs> do what I needed to do or I had to keep doing it until I get it right. And so I actually, I don't know how I did it, but it actually went away for a little bit whenever I was in high school. And when I was going through depression in medical school, it came back yes. and I started like doing those things. Like I would flinch at my side, like I had to do it a certain amount of times and I would have to do it a certain way in order to feel okay. Yes. And yes. I started like doing a lot of the like ticks and, and things like that. And I had to be treated. I had to be medically treated with acetylopram for six months. Okay. And wow. I got over it. I got better. Um, 
obviously I engrossed myself in my faith a little bit more and during that time period and that's another thing they got me through but that was definitely one of my greatest challenges not the only challenge yeah. but that was one of my greatest challenges in med school was depression and OCD so going through you know what you just explained what would you what advice would you give those who want to pursue a career in medicine um, but aren't aware of the mental rigor it takes to pursue something yeah. that rigorous, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I actually think that's a really good question. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we don't have a lot of black and brown doctors. Um, obviously it's multifactorial, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of us grow up in broken homes and disenfranchised communities so obviously we're not able to access the proper schooling and you know a lot of us get into this pipeline um or get um like into the prison pipeline just just because of of different factors True. right so obviously that's one reason why we don't have a lot of black doctors but i think another reason is because whenever we get into medical school we don't have those proper outlets for the proper resources to get help if we have mental health issues. A lot of us have a stigma on mental health. Well, girl, she crazy or, or you know what I mean? Like it's a chemical imbalance, you know? It's like, it's such a negative thing. And the brain is an organ, just like anything else in the yeah. body. The heart is an organ, you have heart disease, okay, let's treat it. If you have lung disease, okay, let's treat it. Liver disease, okay, let's treat it. If you have a disorder of the brain, is you're crazy and there's a stigma against it. Um, and so if you have a lot of mental health issues, some people resort to suicide, yeah. you know, and I think we all can agree the physician suicide rate is pretty high. Um, so I think to answer your question, <laughs> finally, for those people who are interested in medicine or even who are currently in the medical field, if you're dealing with depression, obviously it's so easy to say this, seek help but seek help with somebody who you feel comfortable with. I personally had to go to my first therapy session with my significant other and he went with me. And I think that that solidified our relationship even more. Um, it showed me that he was there, he was present um, and that he would love me in any type of form. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that there's only gonna be a bright side to you seeking help. Um, those people who are going to judge, laugh, that you're scared of, which I, personally think that we're moving into a time frame where you know hopefully that doesn't happen yeah. um but even if that does happen those people will be out of your life and you probably don't need that toxic energy anyway so i think that finding the proper outlet finding the proper resources and doing it with somebody who is going to help you through it and praise you through it is the best option the reason for the podcast you know the listeners you got different people going through different things and yeah. it's kind of like therapy for them so they yeah. can listen to it and see that okay right. we, we yeah. are human and that's you know? something that people in medicine have have created this fake facade of like always being perfect right like they're so focused on wanting to be known as always being the person who studies always um doing 100 and things 110 correctly with patient care and it's not like that and i think that with the development of social media and how a lot of um, young doctors are using their voices and their social media platform to kind of get their perspective and, and um, their take on their journeys out there. I think that we're kind of exacerbating the situation, you know? Um, social media already has this 
facade of everyone living these perfect lives, even mine. Like I'm, I'm no exception, right? Like I only post myself when I have like these fabulous clinic outfits on. But I think one of the things that I try to do as well is talk about the bad things in medicine. Like I cry, I, I get depressed, I get emotional, I get discouraged. I fight with my significant other because he's in medicine. He gets, he gets depressed too. Same he gets thing. worn out. Yeah. Like, and I mean, you know, your wife is in medicine. She's always, you know, <laughs> it's hard on your, y'all's relationship. Yeah. And I, I try to talk about those things on my social media platform because I feel like we are moving into a society where everybody wants to be perfect. And it is so jarring to me that doctors who have always been in this physical space of always trying to be perfect, that it's actually getting worse for mm -hmm. us too. Like, I, I can't even see how doctors can, I don't see how they can want to be more perfect than what they already try to make themselves be. And yeah. yet we're always trying to make ourselves seem more perfect now. Like always put together in a white coat and always doing what's right for the patient and always in a positive mood. Like that's not what life is. Like we're in bad moods. A lot of time we're in bad moods and so, I'm trying to talk more about those things on social media. Um, so hopefully, you know, we can start being a little bit more real with our platforms. And I think that that will kind of help draw people into medicine a little bit more, um, as well as kind of be more therapeutic too. Amante, um, he got one thing that he always said that stuck with me throughout the podcast, where he always said like on um, transparency, save lives. Mm -hmm. And you know, and every time I try to think like, okay, am I, you know what I'm saying, being a little too perfect like you were just saying, mm -hmm. yeah. I also realize like being being who you are really mm -hmm. can help someone someone else. Like yeah. just being Andrea, yeah. you know. Exactly. And someone be like, Andrea, oh she a doctor. Yeah, exactly. She know how to you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Move, you know, exactly. So. I was thinking about that earlier today when I was um joking and, and goofing off with my nurses in between like seeing my patients. It's like not only am Am I facilitating like our work relationship, which ultimately contributes to better care because they'll feel more comfortable to speak up. I'll feel more comfortable to ask for their opinion on certain things. But I also just feel like it helps people to see that doctors are real people too. Like we yeah. curse, we love, yeah. we laugh, we yeah. joke. You know what I mean? Like we have real hobbies and interests. Um, so, you know, I, I think that trying to be yourself and so show yourself and physical time and space is something that can help. So that's why even tonight, um, I was excited to do a live with you know your wife because yeah. I, I feel like people need to see my personality and time and space and see that I'm not always a serious, perfectly put together person. Like I laugh, I curse, yeah. I cry, I joke around, I'm human, yeah. you know? And I think patients probably like that too, yeah. you know? <laughs> Yeah. He was a stuck-up doctor, not me. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, just me being a PhD program, my wife being in a law program, it's like how occupations define people's personalities um, yeah. while they're in that occupation, but oh, they're actually, you know, people outside of it. Because my wife, I mean, she has to tie her hair up, put on a, a collar shirt, you know, flip the collar over the shirt, has to be presentable at all times, and it's just like, when you're outside of that, it's like, who are you? Like, you know what I mean? When you take off those clothes or, or take off that hat. Hey, so Andrea, so mm -hmm. what was the transition like for you uh, moving from med school to going into your practice? Mm -hmm. Well, 
going from medical school to residency is a little bit more challenging just because it's such a steep learning curve. You don't want to enter into residency as being this person who's just always goofy all the time. Like, you know, you, you really don't have time to goof off, to yeah. be honest, when Seriously. you first get into residency, you know, you're kind of focus on your patient care and trying to do everything and try not to mess up, to be honest. Um, so I want to say my intern year, I was a little bit more shy, more timid, more quiet. And while I definitely was still myself outside of work and a little bit inside of work, it, it just didn't show as much as it does now. I think now I'm more used to practicing medicine and knowing what to do in emergent situations and moving a little bit quicker in clinic and, and on the floor. So I have that, that room to be myself, right? Um, but it's also something that I'm trying to do more often. Like I actually physically tell myself like, yeah, we're being ourselves at work. Like this is cool. Like we should do this more often, you know? And another reason why I want to be myself at work is because I want people to see that you don't have to assimilate yourself into white America to be known as a competent doctor, right? You don't have to be somebody who talks right a hundred and talks right, right? Like that's not even yeah. a politically correct statement, right? Who speaks perfect English um, 110% of the time. For example, like if you saw a black person who spoke white English. I don't know another way to say yeah. it. I'm trying to say it politically correct. As, as much as I can, who had perfect pronunciation and dictation. If you saw a black person who's in a white coat speaking like that, and a black person who maybe had more of an accent that would resemble that of being in the hood, right? Like Something who, more relatable. Exactly. Who do you think is, who are they going to say who's more professional? Right? I think it, it goes by back to who are you trying to uh yeah who are you asking the questions to? yeah but i mean even in our communities like yeah. not just white communities but i think in our community like we still associate somebody who doesn't speak perfect english with somebody who's not competent and yeah. obviously that's a trickle down theory yeah. from above but i think that us being ourselves us talking like our normal selves not putting on the white voice when we go in at work, it helps to show that you can be a competent doctor and talk black and clap your fists and you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and, and do certain hand gestures that an angry black woman does and not be angry, yeah. you know? So yeah. I, and you know, move your neck and, and do certain things. Like I think that us being ourselves helps to promote our race as being competent is what I'm trying to say. So you touched on, you know, being your, yourself within your profession. Uh, what advice would you give to those who want to go into medicine, but, you know, are, are afraid of not conforming or, or being themselves and, and who think that they have to fake it till they make it? You know what, honestly, I'm going to keep it 100. I think you have to fake it till you make it until you get the job. And I think maybe even starting out until you acclimate yourself to your surroundings, you probably do because... You know, one of the things that I've learned is that the the generation where there's a lot of embedded racism, you know, or um, concealed racism is still very much so alive and there's still very much so in positions of power. 
And so you unfortunately do have to show those people that you are competent. And if you come in talking like, you know, you do with your friends and whatnot, then unfortunately they are going to judge you. And because they are in said positions of power, they have the opportunity to prevent you from rising to other possible positions. So I do think that maybe when you're applying and whenever you're getting into the initial stages of, you know, um, assimilating into the work culture, whichever culture that might be, um, I think you do need to fake it till you make it, unfortunately. Um, but that's just one of the triple down, yeah, results of, you know, systemic racism, right? Like, we don't have a choice. But I think, you know, once that you've shown your said capabilities, I do think that you can and should be yourself because like I said, that just helps the person who's coming after you. Yeah. You know, to not judge them should they come in talking like they do with their homeboys or their homegirls, you know, like it it just kinda helps facilitate each person to come in a little bit more easier. You talked a lot about yourself and all the things you've been through. So who is Andrea Alexander today? Um, Andrea today is a very different person than who she was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I was somebody who was very calculated and thought about every single move, everything that she said before she did it. I never cursed. I was in church every single Sunday. In my mind, to be honest, I was likely judgmental of others, maybe not in saying that I didn't want to be around them, but you know, definitely I was like, well, you shouldn't be doing that. You know what I mean? Like I was, a, I was a goody two shoes. Mm. Um, I was somebody who defended myself at all points, like weren't about to talk to me crazy or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it, I was just somebody who clapped back all the time. Like you can't just say anything like, no, this is my opinion and you're going to hear it. <laughs> you will feel the wrath of me, <laughs> you know? And um, I was just a very calculated person. And I think as I've gone through life, I've met people who are very different from me and there's still people that are very successful, good people, good hearted people, people that I want to be around and people that I've learned from, people that I've drawn inspiration from. And so with that, me today, I curse. I sin just like everybody else. To be honest with my career, I'm not in church as much, but I do have a relationship with God. So I'm a completely different person, I think. I was a neat freak back then. Yeah. And now I'm still a neat freak, but at the same time, I can't be as much of a neat freak as I was back then because I was just so, I had time to be that person. Yeah. And now that I'm like, you know what? I'm not a dirty person if my soap is tilted. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or if there's dust on the counter, like, or if I only clean my bathroom once a week, I'm not dirty. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, I just start the little things in life that I thought would never change have changed. And I, I am a different person, but at the same time, I'm, I'm still the same person. I'm still goofy. I'm always going to be goofy. That's never going to change. I'm always going to be an active person. That's not going to change. I'm going to be somebody who cares about our health. That's not going to change. I'm always gonna be someone who values family, not gonna change. But different little things that I always thought would disappoint my mother, my father, or God, like I, I feel like that's not so much anymore, you know? Okay. So yeah, I like who I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, this reminds me of a conversation I have with my wife all the time. It's like she was reading this book called Grace for the Good Girl. And, you know, what what allowed you to liberate yourself from yourself? You know what I mean? Like, what allowed you to be free within your own skin? You know what? I think that there's a few things. I think probably, you know, in retrospect, I didn't notice this until now when I'm like actually dissecting myself, but probably just the fact that I started to see that I was making my mom proud. And I don't want to make it seem like my mom was always this person who like never told me that she, you know, was never proud of me or never hugged me. Like, no, like obviously she was a supportive mother, like, but it's just, I put that weight on myself so much because I saw her working so hard for me that I wanted to do the same for her. And I think once, you know, I graduated med school and I saw her crying. My mom is not a crier, but she was crying tears of joy. I like saw that in myself. I was like, wow, I'm I'm making her proud. And Mm. me growing and becoming the woman that I've always wanted to become is making her proud. Like I I can kind of relax now, you know, and kind of just like live my life. Um, I also think that being in a relationship where I had to change and where I wanted to change because I wanted to keep, you know, the other person happy um, or to acclimate them, um, or I'm sorry, to accommodate them. Um, definitely, like he couldn't live with OCD me. Like I yeah. had to to learn to change that, yeah. you know? Um, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll be all right. It'll live. <laughs> So, you know, there's there's a lot of things that I, I had to change about myself, but I wanted to do that because, you know, I, I truly feel like, even if it's not even for the long term, which I think it is, um, I feel like God made this person for me. And it's like, I, I feel like whichever way I'm supposed to mold myself into to, you know, help this person or help me become a better me, then I feel like that's the way that it's supposed to go. I just naturally feel like I'm drifting in the, the right direction. Yeah. yeah. Hey, being a wife, being a woman. Hey, yeah, I, that's I right. That's right. <laughs> but I mean, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, you should change yourself for somebody. I, I don't want to make it seem like that. But I, for example, I've always been a person, I have like a real temper. Like, <laughs> some people may not see that about me, but like, I have a real temper. Like, things will be flying across the room yeah. If, yeah. if I'm upset. And, he doesn't work well with that, you know, like, um, he didn't grow up with, you know, seeing people throwing things, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. He didn't see that aggression growing up. And, um, unfortunately I was, um, not saying that, you know, my mom wasn't a good mother, but she has a temper, you know what I mean? And I, 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 that's one of the things, it's a character flaw and I took on that you know, yeah. from her and he doesn't respond well to that. Well, I need to change that. Yeah. So that's something that I had to work on. And that's something that I wanted to work on to make myself better. You know, um, for him, he was somebody that he's someone who's too nonchalant. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, I need you to care. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I need you to care because you're making me not care. And yeah. so, you know, he, has and is still trying to you know be somebody who takes things more seriously than just being you know laid back and i think he likes who he's becoming too so 
like I said, not trying to say that you need to change yourself or somebody, but you know, like obviously when you're in a long-term relationship, like you're gonna have to change certain things about yourself and you know, to act, to accommodate your partner. Yeah. And um, I like those changes that you've been occurring. So uh, not too many things be flying across the house. Now, <laughs> so. <laughs> you talk about, you know, mental health within your career, being yourself within your career. But with all that's going on, how what does work-life balance look like for you? You know, what does self-care look like for you outside of work? And I think you touched on a little bit, but you have to compromise in a relationship. I mean, marriage and relationship, anything is a compromise. Um, and can you speak a little bit of, of, you know, how do you compromise? How do you take care of yourself? And, you know, what does that look like outside of work? You know what? I made a promise to myself very early on in residency that I am going to take care of myself. Um, I don't compromise on my health for anybody. I don't care who it is. Um, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to work out. Obviously, if I don't feel like going because of me not feeling like going, then that's a different story. But because of work and assignment, absolutely not we will just have to sacrifice sleep like i'm going to take care of myself money is not an option i'm gonna pay the extra dollar for a healthy you know option to eat so that's one thing is my priority is my health health as well i'm not compromising on that for anybody like hands down like it, it doesn't waver it doesn't falter it's a black and white issue like it's, it's that's unwavering for me um but also when I uh, was like 29 last year, I also told myself that I need to start taking care of myself. Probably the women can more so relate to me than y'all, but like when I turn 30, like things are gonna be a little bit harder to take care of, you know? <laughs> um, so I started doing masking and, you know, like spa nights with my friends. And um, I made that promise to myself. Like I'm, I'm going to put an effort into preserving my beauty, which, you know, that may not be a priority for some people, yeah. but it was to me, that's a form of self-care for me. Um, but for me, I think the biggest thing for me was making it a priority. And I'm the type of person, when I make something a priority, like I'm going to do it. So I know that um, a lot of attendings will be like, oh, well, um, or I'm sorry, not attendings, but like people that I work with, might be like, oh, well, she texts us like, well, I need to get my workout in. Yeah. So <laughs> you'll get your rounding plan at 9 p.m. And if you don't see it at 9 p.m., well, you'll see it when you wake up. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to take care of myself. Like, I'm over the whole putting my job before myself. Like, I, I don't ever want to feel that stress and tension that I felt my third and fourth year in medical school ever again. Like, I'm getting anxious even talking about it. Like, I don't want to ever feel that again, like ever in life. So self-care is first. Point blank, period. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrea, our, our podcast is titled um, Trust the Process. Mm -hmm. um, what does trust in the process mean to you? I mean, I think it, you know, just baseline can mean trusting a higher power or, you know, God, if you're a Christian or, you know, if you um, belong to any type of religion that supports the presence of a higher power um, at baseline. And if you're not, if you're someone who's spiritually led, trust that, you know, karma is real, mm -hmm. you know, and that. So Newton's third law states that a force 
that acts upon an object is a result of its interaction with another object, right? So everything that you come into contact in life, whether it's for the good or the bad, is going to shape you. So you always need to be cognizant of what you're getting yourself into. And you have to trust that. You have to trust your intuition that what you're doing is what's best for you. Now, if you're somebody who don't have the best judgment, you know, that's something that you need to reevaluate, right? Yes. Like if you're always getting in, into relationships, whether it be platonic or romantic, and they're not good for you, then that's something that you need to reevaluate. But you should always trust the fact that you are self-reflecting and that you're always becoming a better version of yourself. Um, but I used to be so calculated, like in everything that I used to do, and I'm just not like that anymore. Like I literally like let go and let God, and I hate to be like, you know, preaching on here. I know that, you know, not everybody has the same beliefs that I do, and I, I you know, fully support that. Like I'm for whatever makes you a more calm and confident individual. Um, but for me, it's like letting God, like, take control it's already in his plan so why am i stressing like honestly like if i'm worrying that means that i don't trust him like mm. and i just i don't have the energy to worry about that anymore like arguments that i used to take so seriously like i just i don't care anymore like mm. it, it is what it is god will deal with it he's already made a plan like it will find itself to somehow work out like this too shall pass no matter what stress i'm going through I always trust the fact that it's going to pass at some point. And I think honestly that, I think that's made me um, a better doctor. I feel like I'm not always so calculated in my moves that I'm trying to figure out what to study. I'm trying to figure out how to present this to the attending to where they'll think that I'm a, a confident and competent doctor. But I'm more so now listening to the patient, listening to what they what they have to say, because honestly, like if you don't trust me at this point to be a competent doctor, then we have a problem. Yeah. If I'm a fourth year well, and you, yeah. if you still don't like me, then you're not going to like me. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Because I put in my best effort. I put in a lot of, you know, care into my patients. So I just to God at this point, like I'm not trying to impress anybody anymore. I'm not trying to do all of that. I'm just trying to do what's best for my patients. I want to hear what they have to say. I want to educate them. And that's it, you know? He said a really good quote today. He said, ass whoopings work. That sticks with me. Yeah. Ass whoopings work. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. I got my ass whooped when I was a child, and I think I needed that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I got my ass whooped in life <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Um, and it worked. It made me a different person in my opinion, for the better. Any last words you want to leave with the, the listeners? Here, Jay-Z said, we confuse the idea of having a job and fulfilling your purpose. Mm. That's something that has always stuck with me. And, and ass whooping's work is going to go on here. I don't know why <laughs> that resonates with me so much. Yeah. But that's going on here too. But. I mean, yeah, I want to be a doctor, but that's not the only thing that I want to be known as, like real talk. Like I want to be known as somebody who was a listening ear, right, to her friends. Yes. I want to be somebody who is a present. I want to be known as somebody who's present. Like I want to be a good daughter. I want to be a good sister. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good wife, you know? Um, those are things that 
are my purpose, right? That's something that is a purpose, not like a job, Yeah. right? Like, I don't want to treat those things like a job. Yeah. I don't ever want to do that. Like, I'm truly passionate about those things. I want to be somebody who's caring, somebody who gives back. I cannot stand people who don't give back, who don't give time, don't give energy, don't give effort. Something materialistic, obviously, if you can. We used to... <laughs> ride the bus sorry y'all know i talk a lot but like we used to ride the bus and we would be like wow we'll never be those people who like forget where they come from like yeah. i'll never be that person and and that's somebody that i truly don't want to become the best way to learn is to listen yeah. and i've always been someone who talks a lot talks a lot talks a lot but i also think that i've always been a good listener and i want to expand more you know i feel like you you learn as you listen right yeah. My mom has always said, you know, you learn more by listening. Yeah. And obviously, if you learn, you're growing, right? And I want to grow and become the best person that I can be. So, yeah, I talk a lot, but, you know, I also listen and I want to keep doing that as well. So, you know, listen, love yourself, give back. Don't be someone who's forgotten where you come from because that's honestly whack. Ain't no way, ain't no poetic way to put it. That's whack. <laughs> like my job is, is a doctor, but my purpose is to help people, to heal people, to be present in people's lives and to be a source for healing. You know, that, that's a different, that's the difference between being a doctor and, and you know what your purpose, your job is, but what your purpose is. And then, you know, kind of find a way to merge it in life as well. So I didn't choose this life. This life chose me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, where can the listeners find you, you know, for words of inspiration or, you know, reach out for motivation, anything yeah. like that? Yeah, for sure. I have a blog um, at www.pagingdrdre.com. And I'm also always live on Instagram at paging.dr.dre. This concludes episode 26 of The Process. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and to like us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you. Trust the process. Trust the process. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. Right? You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through, and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.